hey lawyers remember that time during law school when you got that one internship and like kid in the class got the really cool one everybody else had to do the crap work well that's part of why i'm super excited to talk to Haley levy ashby today about uh gig law so for those of you that don't know her she's the founder and ceo of gig law it's a platform that provides law firms with the highest quality virtual legal intern level of assistance while allowing law students to gain hands-on experience while in law school. So you get to hire amazing law students across the whole country. They get to have amazing internships. And then who knows what happens? Maybe they come back as lawyers. Maybe they're for your case. Maybe they do a phenomenal job, whatever it is. But I think this is going to be a great chat for everybody really trying to build that great firm that gives back, that builds things for long-term success, et cetera. So Haley, thank you so much for being with us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to be chatting with you today. And did I get your last name correct? You got it perfectly. Hit the nail. All right. <laughs> you know, it's um, I was it's a question reading, I get a lot. I was reading How to Win Friends and Influence People, and he was talking about like the name being, you know, the the, the sweetest sound to everybody. And I'm always like, you know, it's the little, it's like that little thing of trying to nail it. So I'm glad Absolutely. I was able to do that. And no, thank you for it. telling me how to pronounce it beforehand. <laughs> no, All right, so honestly, it's a tough last name. So I want to talk about our last episode. Uh, last week we had Chad, again, Sinis, another person whose last name I had a nail, um, on how gaining traction can turn your firm around. So Chad's an, an EOS implementer, not an integrator, but an EOS implementer that works with law firms across the country on implementing EOS into their firms and the amazing success that that comes. So if that's something you're interested in or just good best business practices, great episode to listen to. Uh, but now I want to dive in with Haley here about gig law. So talk to me about your story. Like what about your story mm -hmm. became let's put together gig law? Yeah. So essentially I grew up in New York and then I went to California for law school. I mean, for undergrad. And while I was in California, I was in LA. I fell in love with entertainment and I became obsessed with it. I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. So because I'm from New York, I was like, okay, I'll focus my law school search in New York and then come back to LA for you know the rest of my life. So I went to Fordham Law in New York City. It's a fantastic law school. They really have amazing professors, awesome students. But when I went to the Career Center and I told her or told them that I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer, but also combine human rights. I really had this vision of like working on Vice documentaries or something like that, or Netflix documentaries. Back then, uh, yeah, I was just obsessed with that type of stuff. And they essentially told me, go to corporate law for five years, and then you'll be able to do whatever you want. And for me, I knew I didn't want to go to corporate law. I had a lot of family and friends who went to either corporate law or just worked in corporate. And I just wanted a different route for myself. So I just ignored that advice and started reaching out to any entertainment attorney that was willing to speak to me just to hear about what their path was and kind of how to how to get break into entertainment law. And so I was able to land an internship at Warner Brothers after my first summer. And I loved it, but then I was like, okay, you know, it was kind of slow, you know, working in-house can be, can be a little slower than working at a firm. So I was like, okay, I'll try working at an entertainment firm, see if I like it a little bit more. So I secured an entertainment firm for my, after my second year summer. But then as I was one year, second year and third year, you know, you get to take any classes you like. So I started taking classes in startup law, in human rights, anything. And so I realized, okay, how should I confidently move forward with my law degree if I can't 
if I can't experience other types of law, you know, what do I want to practice? So I just started reaching out the same way that I was reaching out to entertainment attorneys in my first year. I started reaching out to just any attorney in my second year. And I was just networking like crazy, just hearing people's stories about how how they progressed through their career, what they like and dislike about their careers. And it was really like bankruptcy attorneys, estate planning attorneys, general business lawyers, like literally anyone. I just wanted to learn about their practice. And there was actually a crypto lawyer back then. It was 2018. I should have invested in Bitcoin back then, but I did not, unfortunately. Um, but so he was a solo practitioner and he said, look, I'm a solo. I don't have the bandwidth to bring someone on full time, but would you want to work for me on a project basis? That way I can get the assistance, the research I need, and you can get kind of experience and also make money while, while in law school. So I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely. I love that idea. I jumped on it. And so I started helping him out on a project basis. And then I started, when I was talking to other lawyers, uh, continuing that networking journey, I started just offering my services in a similar manner that I was working with that crypto attorney. And a lot of solos and smaller firms, those were mainly the ones who were responding to my cold emails to hop on a phone to pick their brains. They were like, yeah, this is a great idea. I love this. And this was 2019, actually. So before the pandemic, before anyone really was interested in virtual services. And while I was at the entertainment firm and during that summer, I had around 10 clients. So I was juggling both. And that summer was really a turning point for me where I was like, okay, do I want to go down this traditional path or do I want to, you know, explore this bridge that I'm kind of building between law students gaining experience and solos and small firms getting that virtual assistance. So I forewent the firm offer and I actually just dove right into building this out as a third year student. And a lot of my friends were like, hey, can I start getting project based work? And so when I graduated in May 2020, things were really starting to pick up. And I was like, let me expand this past Fordham into other schools. And that's essentially when it was born. And I, the pandemic obviously was a terrible, terrible thing. And just a lot of lives lost. It, it was just devastating for the whole world. But it really was the perfect runway for GigLaw to launch a virtual, a virtual legal entering service. And that's kind of the story of how we came about. And I, it cracks me up. So from the 10,000 foot view, your story, I have to imagine career services, 95%, first of all, <laughs> probably 90% students never walk into them. But of those who do, they're always like, yep. I don't know what to do. Like, what, what should I do? Like, and they're, you know, yep. I just want a job that pays a bunch of money. And you walk in, you're like, this mm -hmm. is exactly what I want. And they're like, no, I think you need to eat shit of this totally different thing for five years. And then you can be exactly. happy and do what you want. Um, exactly. If that isn't, yep. If that isn't the perfect summation of law school, uh, I don't know what is from that story. It truly is. It's so funny that you say that because it's like exactly what so many people experience. And before I went to law school, I just, I had spoken to people about what it would be like, but no one really ever told me like there really is such a, a path that a lot of law schools want you to take. And granted, I don't want to say this is every law school. Like I know other law schools do give their students more options, but that's the, it's very, it's a very traditional path that law school embarks you on. Well, but Hey, look, uh, as Mark Twain said, there are lies, damn lies and statistics. So you taking that, you know, corporate law job and business law, at you know whatever whatever six figure salary is going to come out of it makes the numbers look better for the yep. law school makes the uh, average exactly. uh, whatever it is hey so 100%. it makes sense all right so 
So look, I get the I get the benefit of this from the law student side, and honestly, like that's not a ton of our audience. Um, so from the law yeah. firm owner side, talk to me about like what are the best needs for them to use gig law? Mm-hmm. What's the best benefit for you know what's the benefit to them? Like walk me through that side of it. One hundred percent. So I would say the number one benefit that we find for our law firms is that they're often in situations where if they bring in a legal intern or even a paralegal they're coming in every day they're there 40 hours a week or even if they're doing partial work it's 20 hours a week but they don't always have 20 hours or 40 hours of work to give these people who they're paying so or if they're not paying if they're you don't want someone just sitting there looking bored so what we really emphasize is that we're here as much as you need us so it's a project-based work so if you need one week you need us to work 40 50 hours we're good if you need two or three hours just a random research assignment we're right here for you for that so it's really an on-demand service so you don't have to worry about the overhead costs of bringing someone on full-time or part-time and then another benefit is that we're independent contractors so that's i think law firms favorite part about us they don't have to deal with withholding taxes or you know any of those tax for tax purposes that's a, when you're an independent contractor it's really an easy way to get services so all they have to do is uh, send us the the 1099 at the end of the year and that's about it so they love those two those two reasons too and then another fantastic reason is that with our law students they have access to legal research tools that maybe some firms don't have access to and i don't know if that's something that we should rave about because but you know they really are able to get case law get any research that they might need and also you know law students are so willing and able to learn and they they love it you know there's such an enthusiasm with working with law students that it's contagious so those are some i think i've listed four those are four really amazing reasons that we've seen over the last two and a half years of working with these law firms so closely and i the one that you didn't mention and i'm curious to see this as you all continue to expand this i want to know how many Mm -hmm. people start out on the project basis and then come back as full lawyers like at the end of that law school cycle yep so we've actually had a few students get firm offers from our law firm so it's like they started working with them one-on-one yeah, there. It's like it really is amazing because they come full circle. So that's what we love about it. And like the law firms are obviously so excited because they just they've groomed this talent, and now they're able to work with them full time, which is so exciting. And it's just that they already have a prior relationship that's non-committal. So sometimes firms might be hesitant to hire someone full time because they, you know, you're going based off of an interview process, resume, grades, and everything. But with us, it's kind of like a trial. You can try working with this person, and then if you want to bring them on full-time you you can make them a full-time offer so that's been a really exciting part and for law students i know the audience isn't law students based but it's really nice for them because like they're making the connections that they need to make and even they're just exploring different parts of the law so then someone might not have thought that they'd be interested in estate planning and then they work on a few estate plans they're like oh wow this is awesome and then they continue working on it and then they can get a full-time offer there so it really is a full circle like hits the whole supply chain of law students to law firms and that's that's what's uh, so great about big law well and i um like i was lucky enough to get a really cool internship my 2 year is one of my trial team coaches mm-hmm. they named me etc but then like over that summer i got to watch a couple mediations so then 3L year, I come in, That's I take the mediation amazing. class. I'm the only one there who's ever yeah. seen one. And it made the class yeah. make, be so much easier for me to catch up on 
knowing like, okay, well, oh we're going to hear, yeah. everybody has their statements. We've got our breakout rooms. Like, and just as simple as like mm-hmm. watching the whole, the legal side of the process um, really was helpful Absolutely. in the class. Oh, 100%. Just as a good example, we actually had a, a student who was about, who was in the first semester was working with the securities law law firm and then took securities law the next semester. And he said exactly that. Like, it was so great having that actual real world experience. And so law school is amazing for theoretical class, for like the concepts and every, and case law and learning all that, but actually getting your hands dirty and do work that's the beauty of actually learning about the law because practicing is very different from law school itself. So, I mean, I've got to think like, look, you get out where you put into it. And I think law students put in a hundred percent of themselves to like all these positions, but from the law firm owner perspective, like are there best, in essence, I guess it's delegation, right? Like are there best practices for them to delegate the right um, project to law students or how they go about delegating? Yeah. So basically the way that our app works, when you post an assignment, we have four critical components you have to give us. So one of them is just the title of the assignment and then a description of the assignment. So if you need us to do a research question, tell us what the research question is and then, you know, write it out. And if you want it, one, two, three, four, four different research questions. Great. And then we also give you the opportunity to provide us with any background. Because obviously that's crucial. But you know, I think when delegating, especially in a concept where it's project-based work, you have to give us a deadline and also a time cap of the work that, of the amount of work you want us to put into it, or even check-in points. So after three hours, check in with us, or on this day, check in with us, even though the, the due date's a week later. So I think just having the components of a project before delegating it is crucial, knowing exactly what you want. Or if it's like a contract drafting assignment, either you provide us with the template or if you want us to to have the template, the key tip to delegation is constantly checking in and making sure that as you progress throughout the project, it's what the lawyer is looking for. So that's something that we always have. We have check-in points for assignments and also just making sure that we're, if you, and then I also call call one phase that we have the question asking phase. So for students, let's say they go through the first draft of drafting a contract. I say, always reach out to the, to the, to the lawyer. And if you have any questions like, um, you know, for example, should there be transfer restrictions uh, for transferring voting or like membership rights or something in an operating agreement? So if there's no, if we don't know the answer to that, don't just assume. And so then we have to go in and check in with the law firm. And so law firms, you know, you can't always anticipate missing information. So I think just have, for us, what we how we resolve that is just making sure that we're always asking questions, always checking in. And that really really is the number one thing about delegation. It's just constant, clear communication. And, you know, not a lot of people, uh, you know, have that type of a level, that skill set, but it's a crucial skill set, especially in law. I want to dive into that a little bit deeper because I think that's huge, but I do want to touch on my other favorite thing about law school because you mentioned the templates, right? And so in law school, they're Mm -hmm. like, if you copy this assignment, we're kicking you out. And then you get into the real world and they're like, if you start this motion from scratch, we're firing you immediately. Like, so exactly. I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure it's interesting for your law students to get to experience that. But from that standpoint, that <laughs> yeah. like, you know, that delegation, that communication aspect, like what do you find your law firm owners teaching the students a ton? Or do you find them just really sketching out the project in detail or both? 
So it's a combination of both. And so when I first started this out, it was very difficult for me personally to delegate to the students before we had the app and before we had the platform. So because what I expected from them was the level of work that I was providing to my clients, but I'd been doing it for two years. So it's very hard for me. It, it was very hard for me to accept that their level of work it was going to take a little bit of time for them to get to the level that I was expecting. And then I realized, okay, gig law is a platform that provides law firms with legal intern assistance, and they don't want to have to teach the, the law students what to do. And so what I did, I spent about three or four months creating what I call the gig law Bible. It's like, it has everything you would want a legal intern to know. And just, it's really general tips that can apply to all research assignments, all contract drafting assignments, all estate plans and all blog post writing assignments. Cause those are our four main buckets of work. And so this Bible is something that every student before they're able to accept assignments, they have to go through, they have to understand, they have to make sure that when they do a research assignment, here's the formatting of memos that we like to send to our clients. And so the memo essentially, it's like an IRAC type of system. So they already have that from law school, but then they really make sure that it's in our formatting so that our law firm clients are happy and they're excited about the work. And then, so there, that's like the, the beginning, that's like the investment into the student. And then once they're working with law firm clients, sometimes they are very particular about some things. And so in those instances, they'll hop on a call with the student and say, hey, this is how I want this, this, and this to be done. But the foundation, I think, is all the same. So the law firms don't have to do all that teaching. But it's just, again, with the particulars. So, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good mesh of both. Do you, is that something that the law firm owners have access to as well, that Bible, or that's just for the law students? No, it's for both. And also there are some law firms that are like, hey, uh, especially with estate planning firms. So for estate planning firms, one of our main offers is that with their estate planning process, we create a separate guidebook for each firm. So it's a step-by-step -step instruction gotcha. about how they want their estate plans done. So for example, like in this one estate planning firm in Virginia, for all agent designations in a power of attorney, you have to underline the last name. So that's like a specific step that we include in their specific guidebook. So that is something that we do for law firms. And that's of course, only the ownership and property of them. And so that's something that we found that firms to be extremely helpful. And then again, for uh, a different firm that uses, I don't know if you've heard of the uh, software document, it's like a document automation yep. platform with with Dorna, yeah, it's fantastic. I love that software, but there are some firms who use that and they want specific changes to the output documents once the documents are automated. So in those instances, we'll create a separate guidebook for those. Those are less extensive, probably anywhere between like three to 10 pages. So, you know, it, it's, we do really try to make it as personalized as possible per client so that they're as happy as possible. Cause the success of, of gig law, it's on both sides. It's law students and law firms. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I don't want you to call anybody out by name, but I imagine a lot of your law firms are like, have a written process. That does sound like a pretty good idea to get this done. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Written, writing things down. And it's funny because I know you mentioned with the, with the person who was on last week about business processes and everything like that. That is the number one thing to, for the success of law firms, businesses. If you have a process, write it down. <laughs> that's the only way you'll have consistency. So that's something I learned definitely the hard way over the last three-ish years. So it's been a, a good learning journey, but um, 
writing down processes and making sure you implement them are crucial. Yeah, um, Ryan McKean, a, uh, a, a, I'd like to say we're good friends. At the end of the day, I think he's brilliant and we're at least colleagues. Um, knowledge has yeah. no value in your head. Like that was a quote that he had in a presentation he gave like four years ago. And knowledge has no That's value brilliant. in your head. Has stayed in my mind. I don't know that I've written it down to yeah. be fair. But I've taken that concept and a bunch of other things down because then it allows, yeah. you know, it's in Tetra, it's in Google Docs, it's in the policy and procedure manual, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, it's so much more helpful to everybody else than, you know, storing it up here. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. And that was the number one thing for me for delegating. It's that how did I, again, how did I expect other people to be able to do what I do without the step-by-step -step instructions? It can't just live in my head. And then I also find that Loom videos are incredible. I love Loom. It's just a quick showing of what you need and what changes you might need. And so that's been really helpful just to make short, short clips for both the students and like with law firms giving feedback, sometimes they don't want to write down like hey, in, a, in an email, all of the feedback they want to give, they just quickly show them video like, hey, I need this to be changed. Hey, this, this and this. And then we go through or the student goes through and like, we'll implement the changes. So again, constant loops of communication are crucial. I will say my one pro tip loom feedback, make sure you are sharing the yeah. right screen. I think yeah. uh, like Google Meet, I think that's the best about knowing like this is the tab or switch to okay. this tab. Loom, sometimes it gets a little sticky and I have definitely sent feedback to people and then been like, wait a minute, uh, hold on. And then, all right, now I think we're on the right window. Let's, we'll go back. Yeah. Now this, now this should all make sense. That is very um, true. But yeah. So if you had the opportunity to talk to as many law firm owners as possible about delegation, have the written procedure, mm -hmm. you know, have the communication loops, what other tips or tricks do you want to give to them when it comes to this, you know, delegating for success? I think so. Those two that you mentioned are the most important that feed into the other parts of delegating. And I think what goes into the core of delegation is trust and trusting that who you're sending it to, they're going to get you what you need. But if you don't get what you need, you have to communicate what was wrong in order to move forward and make the changes going forward. And I always say, we make a mistake once, it won't happen again, but you have to let us know what that mistake was. And so it goes into the communication and the feedback loop. But um, I think find people that you trust, find someone that you trust and make sure that you're letting them know what you need, everything's clear. And then, and again, the way that we have our, our platform integrated, it's that we make sure we have all the information that we need from you in order to do it properly. And so I think that's been something like the way that we built our platform, it automatically creates that, that notion of trust. And then we also have like, you know, reviews for the students that the people can do. So it's just making sure that you trust who you're sending it to, communicate to them what you need, communicate any changes that you need. So it's just making sure that that whole line is seamless. Yeah, I think that is, I think you may have sort of buried it in there. I think there's a genius point in there. Like mistakes are going to happen. The trick is not having the same mistake yeah. over and over again. Um, and I, yeah. I mean, look, that applies to everything. Like that applies to your law firm, that applies Absolutely. to your life, that replies, uh, applies across the board. But I, you know, it's yeah. interesting because I think most, most products they talk about or most services get worse over time, you know, and here's a situation <laughs> where it actually gets better over time because this specific student is learning that, you know, underlining the last name is exactly. learning that tweak after document is learning, you know, what mistakes have been made, uh, which makes it 100%. more and more valuable because there should be fewer and fewer mistakes every time. Exactly. And, you know, I'm a perfectionist, a uh, hundred percent, a type A perfectionist. And one of the things that I've had to learn 
is that not everything is going to be perfect. But when it's not perfect, as long as you know what's not perfect, that's how you can get it closer to perfect. So my perfectionism streak doesn't get lost. It's just a process to getting it to perfect. And that's what people need to understand. So if we could wave a magic wand and boom, like what does gig law look like in five years? Like what, what is the, I don't want to say success because I think success is a, a goal yeah. you constantly fight for is, but like, what does the future yeah. look like to gig law? So the future for me, it's just a continuation of growth for the company of just having more and more law students on board, more and more law firms on board, just work growing out this project based legal intern work and making these connections and growing out the network of gig law so that law firms can trust, hey, go right out to gig law, find amazing law students to either outsource work to or maybe even find talent to bring on. And so it's like an expanded, extended version of something like Fiverr, but it's so niche because it's only for law students and law firms. And we actually do, we have expanded to bring on a few paralegals, which are awesome. But I know there are bigger companies out there who have, um, uh, like virtual associates and virtual paralegals. So we're unique in that we mainly focus on that law student space. So the vision is to just grow it out as much as possible, keep bringing on different uh, practice areas of law because we already have so many. And what I, one of my favorite parts of Gig Law is that we're actually working in conjunction with companies like Documate with so law firms who have, who understand where the the legal space is going using legal tech and they're using us to help implement that legal tech so i personally love the legal tech space i love being part of document and helping out clients automate their documents and things like that so that's where i see it going i just continuing to be part of the legal tech space and continuing to grow on both sides so we'll see where we are well, in five years and it's interesting because like in essence your law students over time will become law will become lawyers knock on wood exactly um and could potentially yeah. go to switch over to the other side of the platform so it's like it's interesting yeah. because you're creating you're creating a larger client base but obviously i think also yep. law students are more likely to help each other like uh, uh most lawyers are not going to go to their biggest competitor down the street and say hey i found this great way yeah. to get you know really good labor for a very <laughs> affordable rate Whereas yeah. law students, I think, are more apt, like, it's in my study group. Like, hey, this is what I've been doing. You know, this has been yeah. awesome to add on some of these things. So I like it. Exactly. I would say that 99% of the students on board came to us through referrals. So that's been awesome. And all, most of our clients are through referrals as well. So just spreading through word of mouth, which is amazing. And like, as you mentioned, we like law students turning into lawyers. We've actually had a few lawyers who or law students who have passed the bar and now lawyers on board. And they're like, hey, I love this. Like, can I just be on board as a lawyer? And we're like, absolutely. And now if a, if a client wants to work with them, it's just a slightly higher rate. So it's been exciting. And then we've also had one law student who's, graduated and he's in the process of creating his own law firm so i'm like once you need law students just let us know so it's it's been a cool process i love it i love that so much all right so as we get towards the end is there like what else you want to make sure that we cover what have, what have i missed here so i think i've i've emphasized everything that i wanted to you know convey but i think the number one thing that i tell people, anyone that I speak to, even lawyers who are looking, we've actually had a couple of law firm clients come on board who are like, hey, I'm really focused on general business law, but I wanna focus more on 
on estate planning. So help me make that adjustment by helping take stuff off my plate. And so I think if you are, if you're a lawyer looking just for any sort of help, just learn how to trust delegation. And I know as lawyers who, a lot of lawyers tend to be type A as well. It's really hard to delegate, but just trust the process and like trust your gut, know that it's where law is going. A lot of virtual services services exist and just make sure you're trusting your gut in every sense of the, every sense of the word. And that goes to law students as well. That's when my gut has been like my driving force and everything. I, I'm a big, big uh, proponent of trusting it. Yeah, you know, I always go back to like that age old saying, if somebody else can do it 80% as well, delegate it. And then a, a yep. good friend, Jim Hacking, had the wonderful idea. It was like, you can still make it 100% as well, but if everybody else has yeah. this 80% level, you can do like five times as much work or, or yep. touch five times as many cases to get into the 100%. And so I'm cognizant of, you know, we're not saying to sacrifice it, but there are things that are right. the first draft at least, or the beginning draft is not the best use of your time as the lawyer. Exactly. And that's still take like even the first draft can take a couple of hours. So the couple of hours that you spend that you could would have spent on that when you delegate it out could be spent doing better, better things, better use of your time. So delegation is key. It's something that took me a long time to learn and understand. But once I did, like everything has changed in such a great way. Awesome. All right. So I want to talk about our next episode, then we'll come back for that final takeaway from you, Haley. Um, our next episode is going to be on April 25th, the uh, the perfect day, according to Miss Congeniality, not too, uh, not too cold, not too hot, cardigan weather, aka my wife's birthday, which is how I know that um, that it is the perfect date, at 2 p.m. So, uh, so 4.25, April 25th, at 2 p.m., we're going to have Anna Skumal on. Anna's going to talk to us about putting the horse before the cart, how to protect your brand to provide more value online. So Anna's going to talk to it from the trademark perspective but then also from her own journey, how she's been able to grow her firm through a lot of uh, providing a lot of value online, a lot of content creation, et cetera. So I hope you'll join us for that next week, the 25th at 2 p.m. for a wonderful chat. But Haley, I'm not going to let you go without um, nice. the final nugget of wisdom. So it can be something you've already shared. It can be repeating something. It can be something totally different. But if somebody's been listening for the last like 35 minutes and they remember absolutely nothing except for this. What's that biggest piece of wisdom, that biggest takeaway to help other lawyers mm -hmm. be the exhibit A of a successful attorney? So I was just touching upon that on my last point, but something that if I didn't do, I wouldn't be here right now, again, is just trusting my guide. If I went to the, uh, to the entertainment firm or if I just went on the corporate law route when I immediately entered law school, I, would, I wouldn't have created Giggle. I wouldn't have had the, the freedom that I do as being a, a business owner and a CEO. And so I think you know in your, in your instincts what, your, what the right choices are, not only for your personal life, but for your business life, for your law firm. And just trust that. Just keep moving forward and learn from your mistakes. For me, uh, that's the only way that I've grown this company to what it is, is because I've made so many mistakes. So that's the only way you grow. That's the only way you understand what the right thing to do is by doing the wrong thing. And so sometimes you don't know you're making a mistake, but just if you do, learn from it and move forward. And that's the, the best piece of advice I wish I had heard three years ago, four years ago. And uh, I'm really glad that I'm, I'm living by it now. There you go. I love that so much. And it's, you know, there is nothing better than whatever metrics you are tracking, supporting what your gut feels, or there's nothing better than being able to look back, you know, two, three years down the road. Yeah, that your gut was 100% correct. 
but I feel like so many lawyers um, swim upstream. You're like, oh, I, it w- yeah. this won't look cool. This isn't why I went to law school, even though I'm yeah. miserable. You know, this isn't why I did this. And so I just I right. love that that commitment to following your gut. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much again for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for being here. Um, so for people that want to get on GigaLaw, that want to hire people off GigaLaw, what's the best way for them to go? I know we've dropped the links on Facebook, uh, but yeah. for anybody listening on the podcast, where should they go? You can just go to my website, giglaw.co. It's .co, not .com. And you can either schedule a time to chat with me or you can just sign up and I'll approve your your law firm profile. You can get started on posting. But other than that, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. So you can find me in all of those places. But my favorite thing is conversing with lawyers who understand the value of gig law. So schedule a time with me on my Calendly and uh, we'll we'll talk soon. And for those of you who want to look Haley up on um, LinkedIn, Haley Levy Ashvili, L E V I A S H V I L I. Did I do it right again? You got it perfect. I'm very impressed. All right. There we go. I'll never get it right again. I'm sorry, but I, uh, I got it now. No, but seriously, um, right. thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you to everybody who's listening and watching. Hope to see you all back on Thursday. We'll do our seven steps to a primal branding webinar. Uh, for that, it is free, but you do have to be in our Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers Facebook group. And then obviously, um, if you've got follow-up questions, a ton of our guests are in that group as well to go ahead and answer those questions. So hope to see you back there on Thursday and then next week for Anna's presentation. With that, have a wonderful week, everybody, and happy Passover, happy Easter, happy Ramadan, whatever whatever you have going on while everything has overlapped for a little bit, wishing you the best. And for people that celebrate nothing, also have a great week. (laughs)